Welcome to the Veterinary Career Services Podcast, a show for veterinarians, veterinary specialists, and hospital management. Join industry expert and president of VCS, Laura Anderson, as she interviews seasoned and accomplished veterinarians that share their paths and provide insights that can help professionals achieve their career goals. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Dave Mason, who is a surgeon in Las Vegas. At the completion of his surgical residency at Iowa State University, Dr. Mason relocated to the area and played an integral role in the creation and development of what would become the Las Vegas Veterinary Specialty Center. LVVSC is the first and only 24-hour multi-specialty and emergency clinic in Las Vegas. Dr. Mason is now a partner and chief of staff of the entire facility. He is boarded by the American College of Veterinary Surgeons, the European College of Veterinary Surgeons, and the American College of Veterinary Sports Medicine and Rehabilitation. Dr. Mason is an adjunct veterinarian and consultant for Veterinary Orthopedic and Sports Medicine Group in Annapolis, Maryland, a member of the Oregon State Veterinary Hospital visiting faculty, a clinical surgery teacher at Iowa State Veterinary Teaching Hospital, and is a reviewer of orthopedic journal submissions for the Veterinary Surgery Journal, as well as a reviewer for abstract presentations for the ACVS annual conference. He has been involved with numerous orthopedic research projects and publications, including much of the formative research on sliding humeral osteotomy, joint replacement, and postoperative pain studies. Dr. Mason has presented much of this work at the ACVS and the Veterinary Orthopedic Society annual conferences. His particular interests in orthopedics include minimally invasive fracture repair, locking plate applications, elbow dysplasia, and arthroscopy and joint replacement surgery. Dr. Mason is fascinated by the endless possibilities in the developing world of regenerative medicine and has a rapidly increasing interest in treating many orthopedic, soft tissue, and spinal injuries with stem cells and platelet-rich plasma. So, Dr. Mason, thank you very much for joining us today. Good morning. It's good to be here. So, so right after your, you finished your residency, um, you went straight to Las Vegas. And what drove you to Las Vegas? Actually, one of my surgical mentors, Dr. Bill Heffley, had a business here in Las Vegas traveling and doing orthopedic surgery. And as my primary mentor during training, asked me to join him and create what has gone on to become the specialty hospital that we have now. So this was my first position post-residency, and I moved here, kind of developed the hospital, and it's continued to grow to what it is now. So it was only you and Dr. Heffley when you went to Las Vegas in 2005? Yeah, it originally was just a surgery-only facility, and then expanded in the order of internal medicine, cardiology, oncology, ophthalmology, and then ultimately a 24-hour emergency and critical care facility. That's huge growth in 16 years. <laughs> yep, yep. So, so what's it like to be Dr. Mason? Tell me that. It's kind of fun. I think Las Vegas is a great place to live. Uh-huh. We we have a pretty incredible facility. We're really busy. We have great clients. Um, and I think being here from the beginning and watching it all 
unfold and develop actually makes it kind of fun to walk through the door and, and see the specialty center every day when I walk through the door. So I think it's a great place to live and work, to be honest. So what is it about Las Vegas that you really like? Well, I grew up in the north of England, so I had a lot of rain and clouds in my childhood. So I particularly enjoy sunshine. Um, we have, a, a, I think it's a much different community than most people imagine. And so there's much more outdoor activities, hiking, climbing, cycling. We now have professional sports teams, both NHL with the Golden Knights, NFL as now the Raiders have moved here. Um, and I think it's a great community. There's so much in terms of entertainment concerts the culinary scene here is fantastic and it's a very easy place to travel in and out of the airport's very accessible many many places that you can fly both national and international so i think that there's two million people here but there's still a sense of small community so it's you don't go very far without meeting someone whose pet you've taken care of or who knows a friend that you have so whilst it's a big city I think it still maintains a small city feel to some degree, but has wonderful things to do outside of work. So I think people that are here in our hospital both get to work hard and play hard without having to ever leave where they live. And the hospital is about 30, 45 minutes away from the strip, shall we say? I would say, honestly, it's less. Like from our door, 15 to 20 minutes, you can be either on the strip or at the airport. So we're in the southwest corner of town, close to Summerlin, which is kind of one of the most popular areas to live um, and be in town. So our hospital is perfectly located for people in terms of the, the communities where most of our doctors live, actually. So yeah, 15, 20 minutes, you're at the airport or at the Strip if you want to be so. And most of your doctors live in the Summerlin area? I would say most people live within 20 minutes of the hospital, yes. So tell me what it's like to work at Las Vegas Veterinary Specialty Center. Personally, um, I think it's a great place. Most of our doctors, this is their first or second job post-residency. Because it was founded only in 2005, there's no history of, oh, we've done it this way for 50 years, so everyone has to come in and do it that way because that's the way it's always been. I think our doctors have always been allowed freedom to practice the way that they want to practice. My only real requirement when I hire people is I'd like you to see clients, hopefully see as many of them as you're capable of doing, take good care of them, provide good communication, good health care. And then when you're not here, be away from the office and enjoy yourselves. And so I think that we have a, a I'm not one of the oldest at 47, to be honest. So most of our doctors are mid, you know, early 30s to mid to late 40s. And so I think we still maintain a really young, enthusiastic group of people that are always welcoming of new doctors and we're always growing. So I think that most people would tell you it's a fantastic place to work. Yes, I know some of your doctors and the culture is so highly regarded at your hospital. Everyone seems to love working there, uh, feels appreciated, respected. I'm I'm sure that's not easy to do because you have 43 doctors now, if I'm correct? Yeah, overall, we're in the about 225 employees between specialists, interns, residents, and then our support staff. So um, I think we do a very good job of that. It's always been important. And my goal has always been that people, I guess, don't hate coming to work. 
and they come to work, they enjoy it. And, and so we've tried to support and encourage that from the very beginning when it was two of us to where it is now when there's, you know, over 200 people. I think that's always important that work should be fun. And I think that that makes you more successful and the clients have a better experience if people enjoy being there. Absolutely. Who's in charge of creating the culture and, and engagement? I think we all are to some degree. Each practice between our founders, there are partners within each department. And so I think that within each department, the the leader, the partner that's been here since the beginning. So most of the heads of each department have been there since 2005, 2006. And I think that whilst I as chief of staff try to encourage that, I think within each department, the the leaders do that themselves, to be honest. And then as we've grown and added more administration and more HR support, then they're part of that as well. Um, And so I think each department largely develops that within their own culture as well. And your doctors each have four to five technicians or technical support? Yeah, on average, that that's where across the hospital, people come and go from each department, but in with both licensed technicians and um, assistants, then that across the hospital is the number that we have. So somewhere, depending on exactly the time, three and a half to five technicians per um, doctor is accurate. You know, I have worked with a lot of hospitals that would would love to have that much technical support. I mean, that's tremendous, and it's. Um, I know your doctors must appreciate it, but I really, I rarely hear that kind of support, and um, just because it is hard to hire and retain technicians, so that's a tremendous um, benefit of of working there. Yeah, and and you know, we're always trying. One of the advantages of Las Vegas is we have the only special multi-specialty hospital in town. One of the negatives is we have the only specialty <laughs> hospital in town. And so in term, in terms of trying to find experienced staff, it takes a while and we do a lot in to develop the experience because a lot of people we hire may not have worked in a specialty environment before, which does give us the advantage of developing them in the way that we practice and the way the departments work. But sometimes it would, you know, if there was a specialty hospital in town, we might lose some technicians to them, but we might gain some that are kind of pre-trained and have experience. And so, you know, it's something we work hard at um, in trying to encourage that. We work with the local technical colleges to provide training along the way, Mm -hmm. which does give exposure to our hospital and what we do. So that's kind of a good recruitment tool as well. Mm -hmm. So looking back over the past 15, 16 years, as the hospital has grown, what were the biggest challenges for you? I think as with all veterinary medicine, it, recruitment is always a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that because we have, you know, with our hospital being uniquely positioned within the community as the only multi-specialty hospital, finding clients and being busy has never been an issue. I think organically we've grown year by year um, with clients, I think one of my challenges has always been attracting doctors just that all of us face at the moment, particularly as there's no veterinary school in Nevada. So the biggest individual challenge has been getting people to relocate to a state they may not have grown up in or, you know, lived in before. 
Um, I think the, the veterinary side of it has been great because we've organically grown because we provide excellent service and we're really the only option that people have should they require specialty care in Southern Nevada. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What are the biggest rewards of being partner in a big hospital like this? Well, I think seeing it grow from when there was two of us in surgery that started back in 2005 and seeing what we've done and net, like... Didn't, I mean, we always hoped that we would do well. I don't think I had the vision to see that we would have done what we've done. And I think our reputation in the community is excellent. And, you know, talking to people now for me personally that I met back in 2004 and 2005, and they still have pets and I'm seeing their third and fourth generation of animals that they've had and kind of seeing clients that have been part of the hospital for that amount of time and hearing, I guess, the the experience of clients and that clients promote the services that we provide. And um, I think that's always great to see that and seeing people come in through multiple departments and finding that their experience is the same from one department to the other. And I think it's good to provide, it's easy to provide good service when there's only a couple of people I think to maintain that and be doing that 15, 16 years later when the hospital has grown so much and still providing an excellent level of service and seeing that we've managed to evolve and provide that is kind of rewarding in itself too. And I'm sure seeing your clients and then your clients, children's pets, that's very rewarding. And and so many veterinarians are veterinarians for the relationships with the clients as, as well as the pets. Yeah, and it certainly reminds you of your aging changes when you're starting to see clients that brought, <laughs> carried, carried their children in and now their children are bringing dogs in. You remember that that 16 years has kind of flown by and, and when that's happening, it kind of is a reality check to how fast things happen and how fast this place has changed over that time. So that brings up an interesting point. Over the past 15, 16 years, You've obviously been incredibly busy, have become very successful. How do you, quote unquote, keep it all together? How do you uh, maintain your passion for your work and not get burnt out? Um, I think as in I've encouraged for all my doctors is I, I love what I do. I feel privileged to be a veterinarian and I grew up on a farm, so I've worked with animals my whole life. I think I'm good at multitasking. And so I, like everyone else, I work my, I still work a full schedule. I work four days a week, but now that we've developed a framework of multiple doctors and we all exchange cases, really when I'm away from the hospital and have my days off, they really are days off. And I enjoy that. I, you know, spending time with my wife and our new baby playing golf. I like to travel And I think that I've encouraged that in everyone is I want you to maintain that enthusiasm. So work hard when you're here and when you're not, don't come in the hospital. So we've always encouraged, you know, doctors within departments to share their cases so that you take care of them when you're there, you pass them on and take care of other people's cases to allow you that freedom. I love what I do. So I'm still enthusiastic because I like it. I love the, the interactions with clients seeing animals come back that had broken bones or torn ACLs were, were paralyzed because of ruptured discs, whatever it may be. I still love the, the follow up and seeing 
that we've done a good job and seeing the reward that that provides to the owners. So I actually find that for myself pretty easy. But I think as I encourage in other people, I mostly maintain a pretty good work-life balance. And I think that's incredibly important to work as hard as we do when we're at the hospital, but still enjoy time away to maintain that freshness. That's another very important point. Um, Many of the doctors with whom I speak don't feel comfortable not checking in on their days off. And um, it seems that you have the the framework or the hospital has the framework. When you leave, you actually do feel comfortable and you're able to enjoy your three days with with your wife and your your baby and not have to check in. For sure. I think that that's easier when you have multiple doctors within a department, which now as we've grown, almost everyone does. And I think that that's been the way for us, that's how it's been since the very beginning. And I think that all departments have kind of developed that skill of sharing cases and working together. And I think that for long-term personal health and satisfaction, I think that that's important that that you do that and also i think that helps with animal care because sometimes i might pass a case on to someone else who picks up something i missed or vice versa so i actually think that also helps with successful treatment and that we're all involved in each other's cases and round in the mornings on patients we have in the hospital with our interns and residents and i think that kind of encourages more of a group healthcare as, as being a priority. And I think that helps you not miss things and, and challenge each other of well, what did you think about this? Did you do that? And so I think on many levels, working together when you're in the office also helps working together when you're not. And so now at LVSSC, you have anesthesia, cardiology, internal medicine, neurology, oncology, ophthalmology, surgery, rehab, have I missed anything? Critical care? Yep. Have I missed anything? Nope, you haven't missed anything. That's where we are so far. And we're always looking to expand. I mean, there are disciplines that we don't have that we would consider if the right person came along. Our original founders have always been hugely um, supportive of our endeavors. And so from the standpoint of equipment, space, etc., I don't think any of our doctors have ever felt that they haven't had the developing technologies that they need, the space that they need, supplies, and everything else. And so I think all those departments, you know, are existing and growing, and we would try to add to them wherever we can. And the tenure of your doctors is impressive. So that certainly backs up with what you're saying. Um, And as you mentioned, you're expanding in all of these departments. So you would certainly be interested in hiring more specialists in, in any of these areas. Yes, yeah, all of our departments, we could add people if they, you know, if they were the right people and add to the culture um, and the patient experience that we have. So yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, so tell me this, tell me a little bit more about your interest in, in orthopedic soft tissue and, and treat and spinal injuries with treating them with stem cells and PRP. Our our surgery practice has kind of evolved now that we have, I I focus mostly on orthopedics and neurology and one of our other surgeons specifically does only soft tissue. And so her and I work the same schedule. So my treatments are mostly in the orthopedic neurology and just through my interest in sports medicine and some of the lectures and everything else that I've done then. 
adding regenerative medicine has helped provide treatment options that we didn't have before for both soft tissue and spinal injuries. So I would say most every couple of weeks we're treating patients that way with both either stem cells or platelet-rich plasma. And I think it's given us treatment options for patients that before we couldn't help or surgery had only been partially successful. Um, and I think that field of regenerative medicine is completely evolving and we're finding more and more disease processes that we can help. Mm-hmm. As you know, my husband is an equine veterinarian and he treats he treats many horses with stem cells and PRP and is all very excited about it and the results and the new machines that are available to take out to the farms to, to spin the plasma down. And um, so it is exciting and very interesting and, and um, effective. I think the equine veterinarians have done a much better job than us in small animal initially of taking on and encouraging those treatments. And so actually, I think, you know, we are catching up and getting better. But I think to a large part, regenerative medicine was actually taking on earlier and with more enthusiasm in horses than it was in companion animals, for sure. And so actually, I think some of what we do in companion animals is being shared with us um, by equine veterinarians. So with some of the people that I work with in this area and some of the lectures I do, we're kind of following what has been done in horses first and actually translating that into dogs. And I think that's kind of unique because in most things, I think small animals get treatments first and then they may go into the large animal field. And I think regenerative medicine has actually been the opposite of that. Uh Uh-huh. So when were you boarded with the American College of Veterinary Sports Medicine Rehabilitation? I went in sequential order. So it was the American College of Veterinary Surgeons first, and then the European College of Veterinary Surgeons. And then sports medicine was actually kind of interesting because I did it in 2014. And I actually sat the test. And so at that point in my career, having to study again and sit an exam was kind of intimidating when you already had diplomas. And my worst nightmare would have been to actually fail that test. And people know that I failed that test. So it was kind of interesting to go back to studying after I like almost 10 years after I did my residency. And it actually, I, I learned a lot that was never covered in my specific surgery training about more medical options, dietary treatments, non-traditional treatments for what had always been considered surgical diseases. So I think it was actually enlightening for me to do that too. And also helped develop, I have quite a population of clients now that come from Utah and Arizona specifically because I treat sports injury patients and agility and athletic dogs, which I think sometimes tend to be overlooked in traditional surgical training. So not only did I benefit from it on a um, self-learning standpoint, but I actually also think it grew my patient caseload and increased the clients that I see that will travel four, five, six hours for someone that has that training and looks at things from an alternative standpoint. So how did you do that? You were studying for board certification and you were working. And I mean, this is a non-traditional residency, isn't it? So how did that work? I didn't have to do a residency. New colleges tend to encourage in the initial time frame um, people to sit the test. So I, I studied for a few months like on my days off, but I didn't actually do a residency. Just if you were 
already a boarded surgeon and practicing sports medicine, there were ways that we were allowed to take the test without specifically doing a residency. So I did take the test, but did not do a residency. So it's like sitting for the bar, just reading for the bar, not actually going to law school. Correct. Right. Okay. Was that hard to do? Um, yeah, just because I think most of it was, like I said, the consideration that if I took a test and failed, it would be kind of deflating when I already had a diploma in surgery. So I think that stimulated me to use my days off to study. Um, so I, I, I actually enjoyed it cause I like learning and I knew I learned things that I had not been made aware of during more traditional surgery training. So it was actually kind of interesting cause I'm a geek on some level and, um, and also helped provide, give treatment options for my patients that I kind of overlooked before. So, let me ask you this, Dr. Basin. You are an accomplished, successful surgeon. If you were to, to speak with younger surgeons just finishing their residency and starting out in their careers, what advice would you give them? Um, in terms of choosing a job, I would tell them to go somewhere where they're not the only surgeon. That was how I started my career. I think it is good to go where you have people to share your experiences with. When we bring new surgeons in, you know, we do it slowly. I will scrub in with them where they need. I'll review cases where they need. I think finding somewhere that fits you is important. I think going somewhere that's busy because during your residency and early afterwards is really when you're going to format your surgical skills. And so I think find the place that fits you correctly. Um, I think don't be afraid to go visit places. Don't be afraid to ask for things that are important for you. Find somewhere that fits your culture. I think to be a young surgeon now, kind of the world's at your feet. Like there are a lot of hospitals looking for surgeons. I think to some degree you're in a position of power. So find the place that you like, find the, the culture that fits you and, you know, find someone that will help you because I think now that we have so many different technologies between the development of MRI, now people are doing, you know, for orthopedics, 3D models and practicing surgery and getting custom fit implants. You know, I think there's a lot of things now that particularly private practices are able to do many things that previously were only done in universities. So I think, you know, whether you choose to go to a private practice or you choose to go to academics, you can go really wherever you want. And I think you can find the place that suits you best because there's options for you and don't be afraid to pursue that and don't take the first job that comes your way. There are tremendous opportunities out there um, at this time. Agreed. And I think the Las Vegas is one of the best of them. <laughs> Dr. Mason, if you were to describe the culture at LVVSC, can you give me three words to describe that? I think it's hardworking, it's fun, and it's customer service oriented. Perfect. Well, it's been tremendous speaking with you today. I've enjoyed hearing more about your career and how the hospital expanded and has grown. Is there any specific thing on the horizon uh, for your hospital? We're giving consideration to actually relocating and getting a bigger space because we'll start 30,000 square feet is 
close to maxed out, I think, for us. Um, and so that is something we're looking into. Currently, after COVID, I think real estate is booming. And so finding the right building in the right location is proving to be a challenge. But I believe that that will be our next step within the next two to three years would be to try and find a bigger location and hopefully build what would be one of the best hospitals on the west side of the United States um, and be even better than what we already have. Are you considering the same region, the same area where you are in Summerlin area? Yeah, I think this is the best area of town for that and clients and veterinarians are used to that. So our preference would be to try and do that, but not venture very far from our current location. Mm -hmm. And how far are you from the airport, Dr. Mason? Driving wise within 15 minutes. So usually I will take last minute flights. I leave the office about less than an hour before my plane takes off. So it's a great airport to get to, to get through security quickly and get in and out of town, whether that's work related or personal travel. I think that's one of the huge aspects of this city is the airport is very accessible. And but like I said earlier, from the standpoint of national and international flights, you can go pretty much anywhere at all times. Mm-hmm. And you can be snow skiing, you can be on, on the water, you can be, you know, at a great restaurant. Yeah, we have Lake Mead, um, we have ski resorts in southern Utah, you can be in Park City within 90 minutes on a flight, six hours of driving, um, and then if hiking and climbing-wise, there's some of the greatest climbing here in Red Rock, we have um, Mount Charleston, which is at 11,000 feet of elevation. So I think there's a lot more things here in Las Vegas than people have ever realized or considered um, for uh, away from the hotels and casinos. So most of the people that we have come interview are fascinated by the things that are here outside of the entertainment industry and I feel that most of the people that we bring in for interviews, we end up hiring because they see Las Vegas as a much different city than their imagination might have told them. Right. So if you can just kind of put the, the you know, your first thought of, of working and living in Las Vegas aside, it's a lovely place to, to live, raise a family and enjoy a career. I think if you, if you put your college memories behind you of staying up late and partying on the strip and give <laughs> Las Vegas a chance, I think it's actually a very much different community than what people's either imagination or recollections may tell them. And I actually, as someone that's from overseas, having grown up in a farming community in the north of England, I love Las Vegas. I'm passionate about it. I consider myself a Las Vegan and I'm proud of the city as it changes and evolves. And I think as we bring in, you know, the community has added a lot of things in the time I've been here. And I think it continues to grow and evolve and improve. And whilst I might always consider myself English, I would also say I'm a proud Las Vegan. And I think we have a great community to live and work in. And hopefully by doing this, people will give it a chance. Okay. Sounds great. Well, wonderful to talk with you. And um, hopefully I will see you in, at ACVS. Yep. We plan on it. Sounds great. Thank you for speaking with me today and um, talk soon. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Veterinary Career Services Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast to ensure you never miss an episode. 
For feedback, questions, discussion topic requests, or if there is anything we can do for you, feel free to contact us at laura at vetcareerservices.com. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Veterinary Career Services Podcast.